Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. I have the figured out the bachelor hack, which is <laughs> get to do the show, but not actually have to do the show. If you've wanted yet feared to do work that is weird, this is the show you just need to hear. Hi. I'm Sam Balter, and this is Weird Work. Today, we have a special extended interview with that guy you just heard from. You might remember him as the Bachelor contestant too afraid to kiss the Bachelorette. Or maybe you've heard his voice on local Nashville radio. But his latest gig has a Manning bar on the summer TV show Bachelor in Paradise. And the bar is open. Wells Adams tells us what life was really like behind the bar in Paradise how he ended up on The Bachelor in the first place, and gives us a bit more insight into his scandal that rocked the show this summer. We even come up with a spinoff show for Wells. And I'll give you a hint. It's a lot like that place where everybody knows your name. Now let's listen to them speak About their jobs, which are quite unique Weird work Okay, so how would you describe The Bachelor in Paradise to someone who has never seen the show before? I would say it's like adult camp with very pretty people, alcohol, and fun (laughs) dates where calamity ensues every week on Monday and Tuesday on ABC. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so adult, adult camp with calamity and alcohol. Those two seem to go together well. Is there an objective to the show? Well, I think the I think the underlying objective is to be entertaining. I think that the mission statement of the show probably is to find love uh, amongst the drama um, in Mexico. And what is your role on the show? This year, I became the bartender. I replaced Jorge as um, kind of the the resident bartender slash therapist slash um, puppeteer. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, guiding guiding people through the drama and the calamity all while serving drinks. Yeah, jackass of many trades. Jackass of many trades. That's yeah. a really, okay, that seems like a good way to describe this episode potentially. Um, <laughs> so do you have any bartending experience? Uh, yeah, I mean, I bartended, uh, when I was in college, um, I waited tables and bartended a little bit when I got out of college. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I actually had done it before the show. I took like a, like a refresher course. Yeah. Um, mainly because when I bartended, uh, in college and then post-college, I wasn't making a lot of like, uh, beach drinks, you know, it wasn't a lot of blender work. Um, the great thing about, um, my experience uh, in Mexico was everyone was so terrified of the carb and the sugar, uh, that I really only made like three drinks, which were like all like basically like skinny margaritas. <laughs> so no one, no one was like asking for like the scorpion bowl 
with like no. five straws coming out of it, like a pound of sugar. No, I mean, I, 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 I think I probably made like three pina coladas, four daiquiris. I probably popped like seven beers, like six of them were for me. Uh, the rest was like tequila soda, uh, tequila soda, splash of pine, tequila soda, splash of Sprite, tequila shot. <laughs> that was it. So, so this was, this wasn't even like a, wednesday night at a dive bar level of busyness uh it was no it was very busy it was just like very simple straightforward drinks okay i didn't have to like open up like my like bartending for dummies book ever (laughs) and so you were you were doing like everything in the bar right like yeah cutting limes all the so you were an actual bartender like yes like the typical had us you know prep your bar i had to like cut all the produce i had to stock my bar which i had to like go up and down from the because I, I was the beach bar guy so like i'd have to go up to the resort and like, get all my alcohol i had to stock my ice and then the thing that they didn't show which i thought they would because they filmed a lot of it was art department had specific glasses they wanted us to use and they had to be plastic glasses because we were down the beach and you wanted anything to break and then have to walk through, through you know glass in the sand so there was a limited number of glasses I had to use. So I would like have to like walk around the beach a lot and find glasses and then like go and clean them so they were ready for for like the next use. And I got I got annoyed. Like Jorge would have never said this because he was a nice guy and he is like wasn't really a part of the world. But like I would get annoyed with the with all these people because they're like my friends and like I've known them now for a while. And I'd be yeah. like, you don't get another drink until you bring me back your glass. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you were like, so you went from like sort of being a bartender to being like that grouchy host friend who's like, yeah. yeah, like could you please clean up your shit at my house? Stop leaving your things around or tracking mud. <laughs> yes like i was like everyone's mom that was just like grow up peter pan like let's get let's get it together if you want another drink then you're gonna have to act like an adult <laughs> did you did you when you kind of moved from like being on the shows to being behind the bar did you feel like looking back you were like oh my god i was such an asshole back then or like were you doing similar things or were you bringing your cups back to the bar and doing things like that you know, uh, it's funny, like, when I was on Paradise as a cast member, um, I only drank beer. Uh, and it was funny, because this year, no one drank beer. And I thought it was so... St- I would tell people how stupid they were being, because, you you know, you can drink beer kind of all day and not look like just a hot mess. Yeah. But if you're drinking tequila all day, like, you're, like, like four hours in, you're going to be just, like, a dumpster fire. <laughs> um and so when I was on the show, I only drank beer. So I wasn't like a problem when it came to like extra glasses and stuff. So, <laughs> <laughs> so you handled, you fortunately handled yourself well. So people get like pretty shitty on these shows, like just drunk. Did you have to do like the bartender thing and be like, I think you've had enough? Well, I don't know if you remember, but there was kind of like a, there was a scandal that happened on this season um, where. Uh, we had to shut down the show because there was talk of like misconduct and everything. And kind of the, the genesis of all of that um, was alcohol. Um, People were concerned that other people weren't um, 
being responsible and control of themselves because they were overserved. Yeah. Um, so what happened, what happened going f- like forward after the shutdown and the restart was that like, I had a binder, um, where we made a rule that you could only have two drinks an hour. And I would like mark down, uh, how many drinks you had. And like a lot of times people will come up and I'd be like, Hey, sorry, man. Like you've already had two drinks this hour. You got to wait 20 minutes. And, but then I also did the thing I remember I wasn't there for the scandal or the sexual misconduct yeah. of the show. Um, but I, but I was there that day that it happened and I was there when people were, were getting turned up. And, um, I remember telling people that they needed to slow down. And then I actually even remember a couple times making them fake drinks because I was just like, you're, you're going to look like such an idiot on TV. Like who, who, like who, I wouldn't be a very good friend if I didn't like, make you guys fake drinks so there were a couple of times <laughs> when, uh, when i would I'd make these stupid idiots uh like compl- they were just like water uh like yeah i just put it in a shaker and like chill it and then <laughs> they would shoot and be like "Ooh, birds and i'm like you idiot that's water <laughs> yeah like i have a hundred percent done that for friends like especially i have one friend who just loves gin like gets lost in gin like it was water and like i just like be like oh let me make you the next one and just cut it with like a tiny bit of gin and mostly water to save people. <laughs> yeah, I definitely did that that a good bit, but I only did that before the shutdown. After the shutdown, I mean, everyone was fine. To be I like this binder idea. Sounds like a good idea just for the normal world, potentially. <laughs> like to just yeah. extend limiting, limiting consuming like an enormous amount of drinks. Maybe not two an hour. That seems a bit aggressive, but like, yeah, just keeping people away for a bit. <laughs> You'd be surprised how uh, how easily you can still get drunk off two drunk drinks an hour. To be honest with you, <laughs> yeah, and yeah, I guess like you're there all day for the. I mean, people are there drinking at the bar for quite a while on the show. You know, you wake up and you're hungover, right? So you usually go like have a little hair of the dog to like kind of cut the edge, and then if you've got like a date that day, then you're like, oh man, I'm I'm going to be kind of like the star of this episode this kind of freaks me out have another drink and um you know it, it it can get away from you rather easily so i guess that brings me to a good point like walk me through a day in paradise from your perspective well my perspective was a lot different than the people that were actually on the show um i lived off site i lived in this little ta- town called Sayulita, which was like maybe a seven minute drive from where we shot um, and I would get a call, let's say the night before I would get a call. I was on a text chain with all the producers and they would be like, Hey, we need you on set at 11 AM tomorrow. Be like, okay, great. Um, 11 AM would come. I would walk down to the street and, uh, someone from transportation would pick me up and they'd drive me onto set. I would get mic'd up. I would usually have like a powwow with a producer just to like explain what was happening only because I wasn't living there. So I had to be kind of brought up to speed, whether it was like, Hey, you know, uh, Lacey's grandfather passed away or like, Hey, so-and-so left last night because they got into a fight with so-and-so and and, like, they just don't want to be here. And it was just kind of like to explain what I missed when I was gone. Yeah. And and then they would usually kind of give me a rundown of like how the day was going to go just so I wasn't shocked They'd be like, there's going to be three dates today and someone new is going to come just so you know. Um, And sometimes there would be like a little direction being like, 
so-and-so is like having a really rough morning. If you could maybe try to make them feel a little bit better um, or remind them of these things, then that would be cool. And then it would be like, now go. And then I would be on the show. And then uh, I, I walked down and I would open up my bar and they would kind of like, I think kind of keep people away from me for a little bit until I got it set up. Um, and then, you know, once it was like announced, like I think producers would go tell all the people, Hey, Wells is here. The bar's open. Um, you know, then it would be like, Oh, people would immediately come to say hello just because they were friends with me. Um, yeah. So yeah, it sounds like you're, you're really, you're actually really good friends with a lot of these people off the show and on the show as well. Yeah. I mean, I think I had a really good relationship with everyone from the bachelorette, the first show I was on. And I think that had a lot to do with, I was, I don't think I was ever really a threat to anyone like to like win the girl. Oh yeah. Um, Wait, why, why didn't you think you were a threat out of curiosity? Well, like even watching it back. Well, I mean, like if you watch my season, like I was the guy that like, that like took the longest, like kisser. Like I, I wasn't like, uh, <laughs> like I think it was pretty evident. Like I wasn't like super romantically like invested in her. Yeah. Um, I think everyone was just like, Oh, well, this is like just comic relief. Like he's, <laughs> We love having him around because he's like, there's no way that he's going like, to come and steal my girl. <laughs> yeah. Deal. Yeah. Like you're, you're just like the good, you're like in Fred's zone, going to stay there comfortably. No one's really worried. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's how it started. And then, um, and then paradise last season, um, I came in so late that like, it wasn't really an issue. Um, so yeah, I think, I think I, I've just always been kind of like a easy person to talk to. I also talk for a living, right? Like I'm a radio DJ. So like me interviewing people or talking to people, it comes pretty naturally. So I think a lot of people, um, gravitate towards me or, or, or like divulge things they wouldn't normally to other people just because it's my job and I'm <laughs> kind of good at like getting things out of people. I don't know. Um, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. And just talking to people and, and like letting them talk about things. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, talking to like musicians, a lot of times is they need like their like ego to be stroked. Uh, talking to like ba- um, bachelor people, it's, um, it's like kind of the same thing to be honest with you. <laughs> but like a little more vanity, which is surprising. more vag- more vanity than musicians. Yeah. That's pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like instead of being like, God, you know, like your second record was so great. Like the B sides were amazing. Like I love those tracks that you laid down the drum tracks on. You know, on on the seventh song of the LP is a fantastic. Instead of that, it's like God, your hair looks great today. <laughs> oh man, your eyebrows are on fleek, yo. <laughs> you look gorgeous today. Damn, did those abs? Do you have more abs now? Like, that'd yeah, be- like when did you not do crunches? <laughs> <laughs> um, so, like, okay, so you've been like a professional radio DJ. How'd you find your way into this job of? reality tv and then just further of like this job as the bartender on paradise um so i got a bunch of different radio shows and i used to do a bit uh for a morning show i did where i would go audition for like shitty television commercials that i would never get Mm -hmm. um but it was always funny to like talk to my co-hosts about like it would be like up up and coming auditions and i'd be like really excited about like my meow mix commercial <laughs> and then uh and then i would go and i would just like kind of do a shitty job like because i'm not an actor yeah uh, and and, I, and two like i didn't really want the gig uh and it's so, like the next day like the 
the co-host would be like, well, how did the meow mix thing go? And I would like never get it. And it would be like, they'd make fun of me because I was like a terrible actor. So same <laughs> kind of thing uh, with the bachelor is it was, it was kind of at first kind of like a, like a bit, like I didn't think I would get the, the role. Oh, really? Get. That's pretty funny. Okay. Like, yeah. I mean like how it went down was my brother was, was approached to do the show and he turned it down. And then a couple of years went by and he was still friends with the casting director. And he was like, Hey man, do you want me to connect you with, you know, so-and-so at the bachelor and casting? And I was like, hell yeah, man, this, if nothing else, like this will be really good radio fodder. Um, and so then I started going through the casting process thinking that I would like I would never get cast this show because I I don't have fantastic hair and like amazing abs and like Shh, don't sell yourself short. You got great <laughs> hair. Okay, man. <laughs> um but yeah then they uh and so I kinda went through it the same way where it was just like I'm not gonna get this this part. I'm not gonna like overly prepare and like uh and come to find out like I I was douchey enough for the show, which was great. And, um, and I got to go on. So that's kind of how it started. Um, the bartender thing was a little different. Like, um, I went on, ba- I went on bachelorette and then I went on bachelor in paradise. And when they asked me to do the show again, I said, I, I didn't want to do that. Um, I kind of had felt like, like I, a I'd, contestant again. Yeah, and I was like, yeah, I kind of already done that. I would really like to, um, I'd really like to be, you know, a bar. I'd like to take Jorge's job because I knew Jorge was no longer going to be part of the show or wasn't going to be bartending anymore. Um, and it was something that they, it was like, oh, that's an interesting idea. We hadn't kind of thought of that, and it was like, all right, let's just try it out and see what happens. So they let me go and and do the show. Obviously, like in a much different role this year, and. I think everyone was a little nervous. I think really the higher ups were really nervous just because they had never let someone transcend from basically from um, contestant to crew. Yeah. Um, Yeah. They just didn't know how it was going to all go down and it ended up going down perfectly. And and there wasn't any like, Hey, make sure you say this. It, It straight up turned into like, you're actually doing a really good job. Just like giving people advice and telling them what you think, just keep doing what you're doing. Like we don't need to tell you anything. I think at first they just didn't know, you know, with Chris Harrison, it's like, these are the lines, say those lines on that mark in 14 seconds, you know? Yeah, but um, your job is just like be a sort of, I don't know, fixture of the show, I guess, but not really too much of a participant. Like you don't, yeah, you don't like introduce people and things like other people would as a host. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, oh, there was a little bit of narration too that I had to do, but they, they didn't, we didn't really know how to do do narration when i wasn't was that your idea to to like transition into sort of that more commentary narration role or was that well it was a it was a producer being like well we want you to be able to like talk about all this because obviously i have such an interesting perspective of everything um so they were like, we, we want to get your perspective, everything. We kind of want you to narrate, but, but how do you narrate something when you're really not a part of it? Like I, I, I wouldn't be sitting down in an ITM, which is like that shot where you're like looking straight at the camera yeah. and I wouldn't be like, Oh my God, so-and-so is like broken my heart, you know, because, because no one was there to, I, I wasn't going on dates. So they're like, well, how are you going to do this? And so I'd come up with the idea that I wanted to get, it all started with I wanted to get um, a, a Barbie and Ken doll, yeah, and like have an interaction for Robbie and Amanda because they everyone was like their Barbie and Ken, 
So that was the original thought of like, oh my God, your abs look great. Oh my <laughs> God, your hair's fantastic. Like going back and forth. With Barbie yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> then I remember we had like the art department like look into like getting Barbie, but then you, you had to get like, when you start doing that, it's like, well, that you need a lot of clearance for like Mattel and stuff. Yeah. So, all of a sudden um, it becomes like a legal thing just to like yeah. hold an object. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So we'd come up with like this entire list of everyone was going to have a different, like a different prop like jack stone we were gonna like just like paint teeth on a on a rock <laughs> uh like for ben we we're just gonna have like a big piece of like porterhouse steak uh for god who else we, oh russian dolls for christina like we had all these props that we were gonna do for this and then i was walking around sayulita one day which is a little town that i lived in there was like this like cute little um toy store and I went in there to try to find Barbie and Ken, but like Mexican toy stores are just like different than like American toy stores. It's like yeah. all knockoff crap. Um, and like I found the puppets and I took a picture of the puppets and I remember sending it to a producer and I was like, what do you think? And they're like, buy a couple of them. We'll try it out today. And I was like, okay. So I showed up on set with all these puppets and I remember like an executive producer, like a high up came down and he was like what the fuck is all this like this is the dumbest thing in the world and i was like yeah you're probably right but let's just try it out and then i like literally all the puppet work that you see on the show it took place within two interviews i did like one for two hours like the day i got them and then i did like one for like four hours at like 4 30 in the morning like after a rose ceremony where everyone was just like beat tired and they were just like just see what you can get and so i just was like improving all this weird puppet stuff dude i love uh, the idea of like a marathon four hour hand puppets thing like yeah like, like if you just, watch that that scene where i've got like all the scallops on my fingers and stuff like yeah, that was yeah i was like i brought like a six pack into the itm room the interview room i was like let's just do this thing and, and like had all these scallops and the room smelled like hot death and uh (laughs) (laughs) so you're just like sitting there solidly drinking in this like tired and then with this room that just like reeks of scallops yeah it smelled so bad i remember like we had to keep on like uh shuffling out sound guys and camera guys because it smelled so bad in there uh we did like a different a bunch of different takes and I i wish there was like a blooper reel like i mean they kind of do one but like a really big behind the scenes because I did a bunch of different things with scallops. Like I did like uh like an as seen on TV, like for 17 easy payments of 1995, you can have all these scallops sent directly to your house for like scallop club of America. <laughs> and I, and they, they cut that. Like I did all this stuff with scallops and stuff. And then I did a bunch of stuff. Like I had a chef puppet. And so like, there was a bunch of like puppet work that I did as the chef. I think they, they aired a little bit of it um but there was a lot of like the pup the chef puppet was like annoyed that like Kristen was eating all his scallops and <laughs> i don't know there was just so much dumb stuff like you didn't see half the stuff i did on that show in terms of the puppet work but do you i always think it's funny like just seeing what the producers even on this show cut away from because there's things where i'm like that was fucking gold and then they're like yeah that we're cutting that out that has nothing to do with this <laughs> I know. It was so funny. Like I, I know the producers, I know the on set producers and I know the sound guys, I know the camera guys and I know the directors. I know them very, very well, but I don't know like the people that are like editors, like sitting in edit bays, like actually creating the show because why would I like they're in some like edit bay in like Burbank, you know? Yeah. Uh, and I was doing, we, after an after show, 
uh, the, the last, the reunion show, they made me go down. This was an, everyone thought I was going to be the bachelor. So they brought me down there to do all this press. Uh, and basically like answer questions about like what had happened on the season and like what, what's going to happen to me going forward. And I remember a bunch of people came up to me and they're like, Oh my God, can we get a picture with you? And I just thought they were just like, you know, normal, like people, like fans of the show and come to find out they were, um, they were editing producers and they're like, you never met us, but like, we love you so much. And I was like, Oh really? And they're like, you're all your stuff this year was so funny that like we just sat and watched your stupid puppet stuff like for hours on end. And <laughs> we really would love a picture with you. Cause we're a huge fan. And I'll be like, Oh my God. Oh it's- my God. Like I, I've made, once you get the, like the, the, I feel like the editing, like for the editors to like you must be a really big deal because like they're just watching the same you like a joke might have worked once, but like they have to watch you do that same fucking joke like 30 times probably. Yeah, you know, like uh, it's a funny it's like a well-known funny thing that like if you can get the sound guy to laugh in your interviews like it, you know it was a good interview um because like they're trained to like not laugh because that would like ruin like, <laughs> the, the whole thing so like the whole thing is like you know like on snl you want you, you want the bit to be so good that that someone breaks like in bachelor world you want like the interview to be so good the sound guy loses his shit but like i figured out like the new thing for me is like making the editing uh crew like lose their shit like if i can do that then like then you've really made it yeah if you could get that's fucking gold if you could get the editing crew to lose it then that's amazing because yeah like i just feel like they're cold hard people who just mercilessly cut things out but i mean that's why they're good at their job <laughs> i'm sure they, they hate us so much I would hate us like, too. Like, like these idiots. Yeah, like just had to listen people. to like fucking nonsense over and over again for hours. Yeah, that would be pretty terrible. Yeah, and everyone that's like complaining, like sitting on a palapa on a free vacation <laughs> in Mexico, and kind of getting paid for it. Like, and they're like, and they're just like in a in like Burbank, yeah, in like a fucking dark room, and they have to yeah. listen to people complain about how their life so hard. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure they're just like, screw this guy. He's going to leave the show and go sell like tummy tea on Instagram for like way too much money. And I'm stuck in this stupid edit bay for the rest of my known life. Like, I hate these kids. <laughs> speaking speaking of hawking tummy tea on Instagram, is the is the social media influencer life like a direction you're thinking of going? I definitely like held off because i thought it was really douchey <laughs> yeah um, <laughs> like, like what was i guess what was unappealing about it i mean okay so the reason why i held off um and by the way like i'm not above that like i totally sell stuff on instagram now just because it's easy money but um yeah but i held off for a long time because i i sell endorsements on my radio shows like i already do that you know um and i like the idea of my social media being like a bastion uh away from uh, that uh world and i like the idea of like my social media actually being what social media is for which is like uh a kind of a sneak peek into like what my like real life is like and for people that like actually like think i'm entertaining to like go find that not to like hawk them on stupid stuff that they don't really need um so i, I like held off for a long time um but i don't know like this year i definitely I've done more of that just because like, why not? Like, what does it really matter? I think I yeah. the other day. 
Yeah, like you've uh, built up like a big audience and it's something that people do. Yeah, I mean, and I get it. Like, um, I, I I can now touch a lot more people than I ever could beforehand. Um, I mean, I still am like pretty selective. Like, it needs to be something that like I, I kind of like or believe in. Like, I, I the one that I really do is... is um, is like the the food service they send you like recipes and stuff and i just like to cook so like when they hit me up about that i was like hell yeah like i like food you know like (laughs) and this is always like a fun date night too you know like you get some food and they tell you how to cook it and um uh, yes i will take a picture (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) send me more food whatever Uh, (laughs) yeah like that seems totally reasonable so now you're like starting to dip your toe into the influencer lifestyle do you want to hear? Do you want to know what I'm doing? I, I don't know if I've, I'm proud of this or not, but like, it's definitely this is how I'm doing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's get uh, into it. I'm taking all that money, <laughs> every dollar that I make off of like selling my soul a little bit on social media, I put into a separate bank account, and I use that money to go buy real estate. <laughs> oh. <laughs> So, so I just it, bought another house. Uh, <laughs> I bought a house like with like ad money, which is like embarrassing. I also put like my show money on that too. Uh, but I straight up bought a little house in East Nashville, and I'm like Airbnbing it and like using my social media to promote the fact that you can go stay in my house. So like it's like this like weird like uh, circuitous like uh route that like i'm using the social media to make the money i'm using the money to buy the house i'm using the social media to promote the house that people can go stay it's like all coming back around yeah but like at the end of the day you've like transferred into like a real like i own a house you know like that seems like a pretty cool you're not just like blowing it on like you know uh bottle service at expensive clubs yeah, no, and I am like completely cognizant of the fact that like this is all going to dissolve away very soon. I might as well like be smart about it and like, um, you know, do, do you feel like here? Do you feel like, uh, yeah, like if this is if this is your job now, like, and everybody has to go through the shitty question, like, what's your what's your five year plan with this job? I mean, I don't. I, yeah, I, I think I'll bartend again next year. Like, it's a it's a every year type of a deal. Um, nice. So who knows? Like, they might be like, "Yeah, we want someone else to do it," and I'd be like, "Oh, okay, that sucks," but I get it. Um, I don't think that they'll do that just because, um, because they don't have to like teach someone else to do like all the things that I had to learn the first time around. I suppose. Yeah, and, I think and I you're like job. doing a good job of it. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. So I think I'll do that again. I mean, like my radio career is like not slowing down. So I'll just like continue doing that for as long as I possibly can. I mean, I realize that like the, I, the, so I hate the social media influencer thing. Like that's, that's such a small part of like my real career. It's just like this side thing that like I, I can make a little extra money on, I suppose. But like, it's, yeah, it's not something that like I'm worried about. I mean, the things I'm focusing on are, is my actual job, which is radio. And then like, if every summer I get to go out to Mexico to film a television show, like that, I, that, that will be the greatest career ever. Or I like, I get to do the thing that I want to do, which is like be on the radio every single day. And then the thing that I like to do, which is like film this silly television show every summer. Like if I got to do that, like I think I've hit a home run. Yeah, no, I think that would be awesome. And it's, it sounds like it's fun for you to be 
on the on the show like because you know these people and they are your friends yeah i mean like it's so funny when i watch the show back and then you talk to people on the show they get so upset and oh my edit was so shitty and like i look like such an idiot and it's funny to me because it's like that's what you were like you were that guy or you were that girl on the show like what are you talking about oh like you don't feel like you're like oh that's that wasn't editing like you were just really like that and it was just like hard to imagine it well yeah and i think that me having been in radio for the past 16 years, like I've learned to self edit, right? Like I don't want any FCC violations. So I like have figured out like what to say, and what not to say, and like how to say the things that I wanted to say, but like in a PG 13 way. And a lot of people can't figure that out. So like me doing those television shows have always been super easy. Cause it's like, okay, well I know how to not look like an idiot because every day I walk into my studio and, and like fire up my mic. I have to like, remember like, there are a lot of people listening and I can't look like an idiot. And so I don't know, like for a lot of people, they they are scared to like go back on those shows, but like I gravitate towards it because it's very easy for me to not look like a a douche canoe. Do Do you, do you like being more as like a fixture of the show or as a contestant on the show? So funny, you know, there was like this big campaign for me to be the bachelor this year and everyone, a lot of people wanted me to be the bachelor um and no one understands that like that's not the gig like that's not the best gig you can ever get like yes it's like for a year and a half you're a big freaking deal and you know you get to oh great you get to have 26 girls like fawn all over you um but the gig is the bartender like i get to go to me i i don't ever have to get engaged at the end of it (laughs) I get to go film, you know, arguably like one of the most popular television shows that airs all summer. Um, I get to like continue to do it. Um, and like, there are no like real repercussions for me other than the fact that like people think I'm hilarious at the end of it, you know, like, so when everyone was like campaigning for me to be the bachelor, I was like, yeah, okay. But can I still be the bartender in the end? Like what happens here? Like, do I still get to go to Mexico? It's just so <laughs> funny that the show's like called the bachelor and you're like, I would just rather be the bartender. Like yeah. I'd rather just be off to the side talking to people, making comments, making like just, I guess, tequila shots. It sounds like predominantly is the main drink. Yeah, <laughs> that's the gig. Everyone wa- everyone wants. I figured out a, like I have I have the figured out the bachelor hack, which is <laughs> get to do the show but not actually have to do the show. <laughs> yeah, if you're going to hack the bachelor, this is the thing. They I guess they just need to create more roles within the show that other people could just jump into. I know. Like so my new thing is I'm really campaigning for Alexis to be my waitress next year. Oh, so I nice. Be, <laughs> I think that'd be hilarious. Be you know, like make her cuz that was a, one thing uh, you didn't see a lot, but I did. I would deliver drinks to people cuz they'd be like kind of like interviewing or like doing like a kind of like a one-on-one chat with one another and they'd yeah. be filming it. And so I'd like bring them a drink if they'd ask for it, you know. I think it'd be really funny now if I have like Alexis go out and like because she's just so funny anyways. And like, let's be real, like she's never gonna get engaged on TV. Like, <laughs> so if I, if she was like my waitress, uh, and then like when we envisioned this whole thing, it was a lot of like Love Boat, like the bartender on Love Boat. But I always looked at it like a Cheers situation. Yeah, and, like if I get to be Sam and like. um and like Alexis got to be like Woody, like that would be like the funniest fucking show ever. So like that's my new thing is like get another bit player in there. And 
And like, I can't even imagine like Alexis and I's interviews because we'd probably get to do them together and we would be so funny going back and forth, like imitating yeah. everybody. <laughs> yeah, I feel like that would be so solid. You'd just be like locked into the show for a while. You'd have a homie to do it with, which would be super mm-hmm. hilarious. And you could like, I don't know, you could pretend to be like a, a boss figure of the bar. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then, and then you could, ha- there. I could see like the drama happening where she would like get mad because i was bossing her around you know and, yeah like, and you could like <laughs> take it too serious like you're taking this bartending too seriously yeah exactly. <laughs> and, like there'd be like there could be an episode where like she shows up late to work and i get i'm mad at her for that you know <laughs> yeah like flipping out yeah you could be like making snide comments about like things she's doing poorly at her job you know like oh i saw the way you delivered that drink real sloppy or if yeah. she spilled a drink just once like pff, that'd be gold <laughs> yeah, like someone doesn't get a rose, and I'd be like, well, maybe there's a new position open behind the bar. <laughs> <laughs> just, just recruit. Yeah, people Yeah, people can, if they don't get a rose, they can interview to be behind the bar temporarily. Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> so that's, so, okay, that's incredible. So you've, one thing it sounds like you've learned from The Bachelor is just like how to find the best job on it. <laughs> yeah. I, everyone was so annoyed when they found out. I think everyone was happy for me because everyone likes me, but everyone was like, oh, why didn't I think that <laughs> type of thing? Um, like, what are what are some other things that you've learned from being a bartender on this show? Um, the Bachelorette, like, I learned, I really learned, like, I mean, it's, it's, it's a two-month therapy session. You're just talking about your feelings all the time, right? I think I learned like a lot about myself and I learned like a lot about like what, what's wrong with me in terms of like relationships. Yeah. Um, Paradise last year, I learned, um, I learned actually the thing that I learned was that I was never cut out to be the bachelor because like they made me basically be the bachelor for like six days. And I was like, I'm not cut out for this. This is too much. And then the thing that I learned actually being the bartender, which is like, I think the most valuable lesson is sometimes people need something. Like sometimes people, people, need you to shut the fuck up and just listen to them. Um, sometimes people need you to, you know, kind of like slap them across the face and tell them the thing that they need to hear. Um, and sometimes people like just need you to like give them a hug or like let them cry on your shoulder. Um, and then like for the most part, like everyone just needs just like a stiff drink. Um, and so it's really interesting to like kind of, um, to read those social cues and like kind of figure out what people needed out of me and then being able to execute it. Like, and you saw it kind of unfold. If you watch the show, like Christina was someone who like, who like needed a lot from me. And I struggled at first to like give her advice. Cause um, I wanted her to like figure things out for herself. And then kind of there at the end, I, I realized that like, she wasn't going to get it unless I kind of like threw it at her really hard. And it was really fun to watch that show back and everyone was trying to give Christina the exact same advice and no one was doing a very good job of it until I came in there and said it in a way that like resonated with her and watching that episode back was really nice because it was like, wow, like I actually, um, I think I actually helped her, which a lot of people were trying to do, but couldn't do for whatever reason, you know? Yeah. We're, yeah, we're, yeah. It's funny. Cause like, I'm not super good at the, like, I'm going to slap you in the face and tell you, like, what you need to hear. Like, I've never been good at that at one, but I'm good. I'm better at the, like, all right, let's lay out the options. 
it could go this way, this way, this, you know, like, and some people respond well to that, but I've never been in the like, this is what you need. And then everybody, and then they like jump to it. Usually people like push back and, and don't take advice well that way. Well, no one likes to be told anything. Um, I mean, the, like the thing that I did with Christina was I straight up just asked her a question. Like everyone was telling her like, you know, Dean's being a fuck boy. You deserve better. Like, why are you doing, you know, why are you mad at D Lo? It's not D Lo. It's, it's, it's Dean. And, and, and she didn't want to hear it, you know? And sometimes, sometimes to get through to somebody is to like genuinely be confused and be like, okay, just explain this to me real quick. And then when they have to actually like verbalize what's wrong and they sit like they have, they have the words come out of their mouth. They're like, Oh, I see. Yeah. He is kind of dicking me around you know like yeah i i think like for me that's like a good way to like talk to people in general it's just be like i don't really know but i am very interested to hear more like even if it's things like related to people's personal lives and other stuff but i feel like curious idiot is a nice way to go about it yeah i mean i mean that's a good <laughs> that is a good way to go about like interviewing people for sure um so I don't really have a great segue into this, but I got to ask you about you, Danielle, and breaking that one rule. Well, Danielle and I, that's a, such a interesting, like, odd situation to happen. Like, Danielle and I have known each other for years, long before either of us were ever on the TV show. It's just like this like weird um, hmm. coincidence that we both ended up getting cast on the show. And, and it wasn't like I helped her get cast or anything like that. Um, that was like completely on her own. Um, and it was also a weird thing where we had both been on, we've actually had to gone on dates with one another, like long before the show happened. And how long did you know each other for? We've known each other. I mean, I, we both lived in Nashville for like over, I've been here for 10 years. I think she's probably been here for at least seven. I mean, we probably went on a date, I don't know, three, four years ago. Yeah. Um, and she's also like a part of like, she's not a part of like, a group of people that I know she's a part of like my super tight inner circle of friends in Nashville. Like she's also best friends with like my best friend, you know? Oh, this is, so this is like, this is like, she would be on round one of like invites for like super bowl party or something. Absolutely. Like yeah. she, like, like hundred percent. Like if I were to get married, she might be someone that I like tell my wife that like, she has to be a, like a bridesmaid. Like, yeah, like she's in she's wedding party material. Yes, for sure. Like and that, I think I think a lot of people didn't understand that. They they were like, "Oh yeah, they're friends cuz they're on the bachelor and like everyone's friends <laughs> in the back." It wasn't like that. It was like we were really really close friends like and so th- th- that never got really got explained that well just because that would be hard to explain. And I don't know if anyone would really believe it, but it's the truth. Yeah. You know, I think that there was always like that underlying of like what what if like we went on a date and like nothing ever kind of like materialized out of it because I think we were both like, if we do this, this is going to screw up like the, the tight group of friends that we're a part of, you know? And like, that's always a weird thing. Oh, and, like, when two friends start stuff. dating and it tears a Fred group apart. Yeah. Oh. And that was, def- that was definitely like a concern. Um, like I think we even vocalized it like drunkenly one night being like, that would have been weird. And we like really don't want to like fuck that up. Yeah. But you know, when we were in Mexico, yeah, it's, the great thing about the Bachelor, the Bachelor, Bachelor in Paradise is um, it allows you to like create um, really, really romantic experiences, ones that you could never create on your own because you don't have the money or the contacts 
or quite frankly, like the imagination to like pull off crazy dates and stuff. Yeah. Uh, it's almost like this like fantasy world that also can kind of like transcend to the real world. Um, and I remember, I remember thinking like, if there was ever going to be a time in which, um, in which we try this out, like this is the perfect place to try this out, you know? Yeah. Now I had made, I had created the rule, you know, it was so funny how like Harrison tried to like, he definitely like tried to like take my rule because whatever, but like, uh, he was, Oh wait, like, you I, created the rule. Yeah, totally. Like what? So you, I don't, I, I don't even know if you see it, but like when I walk in, the first thing I say is couple rules. Number one, I'm not here to date anyone. That was really important to say, to lay out because I didn't, it would, the whole point of me, like being a confidant and like a therapist would have been thrown out the window if everyone, every guy was worried that I was going to try to steal their girl, you know? Yeah, so and like, you're the bartender who's always there, always a yeah. shoulder to cry on. <laughs> yeah, and it wouldn't have worked if everyone was like, this guy's just going to try to freaking steal my chick. So, uh, so like that was rule number one. I was like, I'll never do that. Like that's never going to happen. But it was a weird situation where Danielle was leaving anyways. Like, and also she wasn't like kind of dating anybody. Like I wouldn't have been pissing anybody off. And we also orchestrated it where like no one saw what we did because she was gone and no one saw like that we hooked up until or we made out until uh the show aired so it was kind of like this like perfect um storm that happened and she was leaving to go to to africa to like save babies yeah and classic she, i i felt like you know there was a part of me that always wondered if like just wondered if like what what would have what would have things been like so i i wanted to kiss her i think that like i think she probably also had that same thought and to be fair like i think that she deserved like a she didn't get to have any romance in mexico and like she, i think she deserved like a little bit of it you know just a, just a bit of romance before disappearing to go save babies yeah and you know it was also it wasn't really touched on but it was uh this sounds really egotistical but it's not really not really what i mean about it it was just the fact that like no one no one was allowed to date me so everyone wanted to date me not because like i'm like this great catch but like it's that forbidden fruit thing where it was like wait i can't date him now i want to date him you know like yeah. those girls have never been told those girls have never been have lived their entire adult lives never being told no you know like if you walk in like day one like nobody could date me yeah. So uh, there was like a kind of an underlying storyline that like didn't that didn't make cut that like Danielle was like obviously like the best girl there. Like she's got a heart of gold, she's beautiful, all those things, you know? And then it was like a cool exit that she got she got to kiss like the one guy that like no one was allowed to kiss. You know, like there was like a storyline that like kind of wasn't really mentioned that like I, I thought was aside from the fact that like I love her and like it was hot and fun to like make out with her like yeah. it was like this cool storyline where she was like oh, i got to kiss the one guy that, like no one was allowed to kiss you know like uh, so th- all those things like combined was um was like how that kind of whole thing went down and i didn't think it was going to be i did not think it was going to be such a big deal like at all like did uh, you think it would just get cut from the show entirely no, i knew it was going to be a part like I remember a producer being like, "That was such a Jim and Pam moment." Like we've all been waiting for that, just because they know us so well. Yeah, and they know that like we've know like they know our backstory, like, even though that the audience doesn't. Um, and so they were when it happened, they were like, "Oh shit, man, that was hot!" Like that's gonna 
that's going to be like a really cute moment. And that's what I remember thinking like, Oh, this will be a really cute moment. The problem was, is that the show was devoid of a lot of like, I think, um, true romance, like in comparison to the season that was on last year where three people got engaged where, so I think that they, I think the audience saw that and they were like, Oh, like this is actually like a genuine, uh, cute love story that we can like grab onto instead of like a bunch of fuck boys and, you know, a couple train wrecks of girls, you know, like, yeah, yeah, but I didn't. I couldn't see it then. Like, I you, you don't know how it's all going to be chopped together. Um, so I couldn't see the forest for the trees at the time. But like afterwards, watching it back, I, I was like, oh yeah, that was a a really big moment. And what's it, it was a big moment, which kind of sucked for Danielle and I because we both kind of got back and was like, man, I don't know if like same conversation that we had before. Like, do we want to do this and like risk like screwing up our really really close friendship and like our group of friends and like and and that kind of thing but then there was a lot of pressure from just like the audience being like so invested in us that um that (laughs) i just think it's funny though like there's this kind of storyline that's not even really spoken about where you two like know each other really well and like you've been friends for a long time and there's this underlying thing that just sort of comes out and then people like notice that and latch on to it you know, like, I think that part's really interesting to me. Yeah, it was actually the thing that I le- liked the least was Twitter, sh- shut up, like, don't tell me what to do. Like, don't tell me how to feel, you know? Like, I, I understand that you really like this thing, <laughs> but, um, like, I'm a grown-ass man. Like, let me, like, figure this out on my own, you know? I thought that was an interesting thing interesting thing to learn. Do you pay I much think. attention to that shit? Like like of people being like, you should do this or like all these other things. Do you just kind of read it and move on or do you ignore it or does it like make you upset? I was at an Emmy party with like all these like famous actors, you know? Yeah. Um, and everyone was coming up to me, like famous actors being like, what's going on with you and Danielle? You know, like <laughs> even they can't escape it, you know? That's fucking hilarious. You think they would be like a little more like sensitive to that kind of shit. I know, but like <laughs> they get lost in it too, you know? So all that to be said, like it was a really cute moment and a wonderful one. And I'm glad like I went down, but like everyone needs to just like relax about it. <laughs> yeah. I I just really I don't know why for some reason I thought uh, when you said famous actors I thought Robert De Niro and I was just thinking like how funny that would be if you were like on a red carpet and like Robert De Niro is like shaking you on the side like what is going on with Danielle right now <laughs> yeah no it was I think it was Alicia Silverstone was the one that was like I gave I saw her and I freaked out and asked for a picture and she was like oh my god what's happening with you and Danielle and I was like come on <laughs> not you too okay. not you share <laughs> that's so funny okay well we know it wasn't Robert De Niro he's probably he's probably interested as well I would think Bob is definitely in <laughs> Bachelor Nation for sure. <laughs> He's a hundred percent tunes in every night. He probably has a separate account on Twitter just to just to participate. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess just to kind of like wrap wrap things up, you've been professional in radio for a while. You know, burgeoning star of reality TV show and fixture of the show. What kind of advice would you give to people sort of looking to get into the entertainment industry in general? I would say do not do it. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
yeah, you know, like I knew, <laughs> I mean, aside from the T, the TV thing was just such, just like an oddity that like, obviously now it's defining me, but it's not what I set out to do. Yeah. Uh, and, um, like I knew I had, I had my first radio show when I was 16 years old. I'm 33 now. Like I went to college, studied broadcast journalism. Like I did all the things I was supposed to do and it's still like a struggle, you know, like it's, it's a hard industry to, to crack into, but like my advice for people, I, the radio thing is the actual one that's like tangible and like attainable, like being a reality TV idiot, like that's just a fluke. So my advice for like, if you actually want to get in the entertainment industry and just in terms of radio, like you just have to remember, you're just never going to make a lot of money. Um, <laughs> like just like settle with that. And you can't have, you can never like take no for an answer and you have to do like whatever job they offer to get you like one step closer to like the job you want. Like when I first got out of college, I was very, I was very qualified to work in a radio station. Yeah. But, like I had to like, I, I did like overnights and I did promotions and interned at a label. And like, I, I did like, seven million different things that like actually had nothing to do with me being on the radio but it was like one step closer to like someone like giving me the opportunity and then i also like waited tables and bartended on the side like i just like hustled my ass off and um like if you know what you want like you you just gotta like not take no for an answer and like do everything you possibly can do to make it a reality or you can go sell insurance and like live a totally normal lifestyle and like make much more money than you ever would in radio and have two and a half kids and have a wife pick a fence and live that life. Like if you want to do the entertainment thing, you got to know that like there's a good chance you're going to fail, but you can't like let allow anyone to let you fail. So, so if I could, if I could just quick summarize for people, it sounds like if you're looking to go into reality TV, Probably don't. don't, just don't. <laughs> and if you're looking to go into like radio and entertainment or something like uh, podcasting, just do whatever you can to get closer towards where you want to be. Even if yeah. that's all the shitty jobs and all the weird side parts of it, all the, like in between. I would still say don't do it. <laughs> just, 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 it's don't unless you like really want to, but also just consider not doing it again. Yeah. <laughs> and and get, get that insurance job. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> unless your dad is like Bob Pittman and owns iHeartRadio, don't do it. <laughs> so this is advice. Yeah, that's great. Anyone who's not Bob Pittman's son, yeah. like her daughter, here's what you need to do. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so how can people hear about your podcast and your radio show? Well, I work for iHeartRadio, so you can download the iHeartRadio app and the stations that I'm currently on, um, are, uh, 105.9 The Rock. That's a show that's a classic rock station that I, on the afternoons. Um, and then I do a night show on a top 40 station called 107.5 The River. So if you download the app and just search those, you can listen anywhere in the country. Uh, my podcast is called Your Favorite Thing Podcast. I do with Brandy Cyrus, who's like Miley and Noah's older sister and like kind of like the oldest Cyrus 
uh, <laughs> sibling and like one of my oldest friends in Nashville. And we basically just talk about like our favorite things that week and talk to famous people about what their favorite things are. It's really stupid, but people seem to like it. The link to that is uh, like in my bio and all my social media, which is at Wells Adams on everything. And and if you want to stay in my Airbnb, hit me up on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> Just, yeah, all right. Yeah, mogul, real estate, media, mogul, star. Uh, well, thank you so much for being on the show. I think this is like a bunch of fun. I hope you had some fun doing this as well. Yeah, it's been fun. Thanks for having me, man. Cool. It's nice talking to you, Wells. You too, man. Talk to you later. Hi. I'm back to ask you one quick question. What do you think of the extended episode? We love hearing from you guys, so shoot us a message at hello at weirdworkpodcast.com and let us know what you think. Okay, see you next week. Thanks. Bye. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.